Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. We didn't uh, share in praise time, but last Sunday we had just a, a beautiful uh, little time at uh, Turkey Run for those who went on that little hike there. It ended up being a beautiful window of opportunity in the midst of some rainy weather uh, to visit a beautiful place. But what made it so much fun is to have um, uh, Rebecca Pearson go along with us. And uh, Becky's uh, had cerebral palsy, and she... Uh, hiking around back and she's never gone to a place like that before and to have someone who's never gone before we went and picked up a wheelchair and took her with us and went down and uh to get from where you park down to the bridge to cross it's 70 steps down and then you got steps to get up onto the suspension bridge and steps back down the bridge and rocks and mud and all kinds of stuff but she had such a wonderful time it blessed everybody and uh, I never heard anybody laugh so much. I mean, she was just laughing and giggling the whole trip. And everywhere she turned, she saw something wonderful to see. And Rena was just singing. And we were just singing and enjoying all that God had given. It was a beautiful day. Well, we've been in the, uh, we're in the middle of a series that's entitled, What's Holding You Back? And there are a variety of things in life that can hold us back from following Christ with all, all our heart, soul, and strength. They can, it can be fear. We've talked about those. We've talked about financial problems and debt and how that can hold us back from trusting God and moving forward in the ways He wants to use us. We've talked about um, uh, fear last week, about doubt, and about our sins. Today we're going to talk about how our past hurts can hold us back. I won't ask for a show of hands, but uh, if you think about it, how many of you have ever been hurt before in your life? Um, if you're human and you feel, just about all of us, I think. And some of those hurts start early on when we start thinking about it, think about things kids say and do to each other in, in school. I mean, I grew up <clears throat> riding a school bus to school with grade school kids mixed in with high school kids. I remember getting drugged to the back of the bus and getting depanced in front of everybody and uh, getting beat up by the Hawthorne twins in school. Anybody ever gotten beaten up in school? having my best friend in junior high, having another kid move into town he decided he liked better, and his, turning his back on me and uh, slamming the door in my face and saying, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And those things are hurtful things, aren't they? And uh, hurt has a powerful effect on us, not just on hurting our feelings, but sometimes because of the hurts we've experienced in life, we begin to close up in those places, and we get afraid and protective and the hurts can hold us back. But there's another, a wonderful other side to hurts, that hurt and pain in life is also the doorway through which we go to which God gets us to the richest blessings He wants to give to us. will come through the most painful experiences you've ever had. Any of you say amen to that? Have you experienced that? I told you before about my uh, good friend Ted from the other church that has had before this one that uh, it was really through a painful divorce that his heart and life just really opened up where he moved from having faith in God but just sort of trying to manage his own life to coming to the point where he came to the end of himself and experienced brokenness and surrendered control of his life to Christ and opened up his life and ministry in ways he's never had opportunities to before. When he was a high school kid, he was shy and didn't like church and didn't like youth group and never participated or communicated in it. But God opened up in his heart through that a great love for youth and he's been involved in leading youth ever since and become a leader in the church back there. And it's through that pathway of pain that God often 
opens our heart up to Him. We never will understand the heart of God until we travel through pain with Him because He suffered greatly to demonstrate to you just how much He loves you. Well, as we kind of talk about this whole issue of hurt this day, I'm going to ask you to bow with me for just a moment. I want to pray a minute about this issue, and then we're going to look at something and talk about it together. Heavenly Father, we're about to touch on something this morning that runs deep inside of us. And some sitting here right now just don't even want to think or talk about it. To talk about their hurts, to think about pain, it's too painful. They just don't want to do it. But Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning, create in this place a safe environment today, that everyone here would know that you are the kind of God who is close to the brokenhearted, that you deal tenderly with those who are crushed in spirit, and that it's at those moments that you do your best work in our hearts and in our lives. So Lord, I pray that you would create within us an openness this morning to allow your spirit to draw near to allow you to touch us in ways we need to be touched, to rethink hurts in the past that are blocking our forward progress in you, Lord, and to allow you to heal those places today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, first off, we're going to watch a music video that is a song that was written by Johnny Cash. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash, the well-known country and western singer. But this is a song that he recorded, a music video. I think it's probably one of the last things he did in his life before he passed away. And it's a song called Hurt. And as you watch this video, I just want you to pay attention to how many different kinds of hurt or sources of pain are either sung about or depicted in this music video. What are some of the uh, kinds of hurt that you saw or heard in that song that he wrote? Loss? Loss of what? What kinds of loss? Maybe a picture of his mother. Yeah, his wife. He's a youth. Regret. All right. All right, drugs. That's where it started off, the pain of the needle. Yeah. Well, you said a mouthful there. That's that's powerful stuff, right? What else? I think he was hurt by the realization that even if he could start all over again and knowing what he knew now, he'd end up hurt again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there are both sides of there, aren't there? Being hurt and being a hurter, one who hurts others. You know, people often have made the comment, hurting people hurt people. Okay, There was part of that, that the hurt and the pain is the only thing that's real. I hurt myself today just to see that I'm alive. Right. What else? Okay. What do you call all that stuff? 
my empire of dirt. And then they showed pictures of museums and collections that were half empty and broken and worthless. What did you think about the, uh, the scene where the, the trophies were all lined up there? There was the trophies and what else with the trophies? Yeah. Yes, a picture of Jesus was there. Lined up all these things. And kinda, you could kind of see it's a picture of all these idols or things you've gone for in life and Jesus was among them. Was he just one of many things in his life? Yeah. Yeah, Don? One thing I got out of this is that no matter what, he's cheating himself out of what he should be. Okay. That's a pretty sad video, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. In some ways, even though it's a very sad video, it's better to come to that realization than to not come to it, isn't it? And as he looked back and reflected on that, you know, I don't know, I, I have no idea what his whole, what he was trying to accomplish in that song or whether it's just one of those things that just springs up of he's coming to the end of his life and reflecting on it and it just came out, I don't know. But it was full of that sense of angst and disappointment, the hurt that he experienced, the hurt that he's placed on others. Um, there's unspoken things, but you could just see the June standing behind him as he's singing and that, the, the, the torn and twisted love and pain that has gone on between the two of them over a lifetime. His broken thoughts. There's even, th- even things like there was a flood at one point kind of visually shown through there, a natural disaster. And I don't know what that was, a boyhood home that he was peeking in the windows of, but can you imagine that? Reflecting back and looking in and thinking of the experiences that went on in childhood. I know uh, visiting with my father at times through things that happened in childhood um, that created hurt and pain in his life. He just, in our time in June, he shared stuff with us that he hadn't really shared before. He's okay with me telling it. I'm not speaking out of school. But uh, he told about being a little boy. And growing up in his home and hearing his mother and father fight. And then his father grabbing his gun and his bag and going out the door and slamming the door and watching his mom peer out the window and just bawl her eyes out. And he said, I just don't understand. But he said, I thought it was my fault. That I had done something to upset my parents to cause my dad. He had did that multiple times in dad's growing up years. Some of those early hurts and pains are the hardest ones for us to to escape and get beyond not having them hold us back. There are all other kinds of hurt and pain in life of rejection and betrayal and unfaithfulness, loss, financial loss, relational loss, brokenness in all kinds of ways, hurt feelings that can come so easily and how many times are hurt feelings misunderstanding. Now, when you're in junior high, they mostly intend to hurt your feelings. And sometimes we grow to be adults. We think we're beyond that. But in many ways we get hurt. And we take hurt from things people never intended to hurt. Anxiety, depression, physical pain, spiritual pain. Hurt and pain is all over the place, isn't it? I'm going to ask you a question. Well, before I say that, Eric, you had a chance to deal with some people uh, this week in, a, in the death of someone who were 
had a different kind of pain or question towards God. You want to say something about that? There are all kinds of hurt and pain in life. And uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions related to that. First one is, is, and you can go on the next slide there, is hurt and pain good or bad? Is it a blessing or a curse to experience hurt and pain in life? What do you think? Don? Okay. Yeah, that's definitely true that hurt and pain comes from both external things that happen to us and internal things that we create and how we view and respond to things. That's true. But what do you think? Is hurt and pain good or bad? Is it a blessing or a curse? Okay, so it, there can be a blessing that can come out of, of the curse or the pain, the hurt. Would we be better off if we never had the hurt in the first place? What does anybody else think? Zoe? 
Okay. Pain serves a purpose, yes? Mm-hmm. And that verse, that really statement is more about how God is at work in us than it is about our circumstances. It says that God works all things together for good for those who love Him. It doesn't say all things that happen are good, but He works all things toward good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Eric? Yep. That's right. Yep. Yep, the same pot of boiling water affects a carrot and an egg in completely different ways. You think about that? So a pot of boiling water will soften a carrot till it's tender, but you drop an egg in it and it makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, Don. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yep, it creates opportunities. Let me ask the question a little bit different way. If, uh, if we had never sinned, if we had never fallen in the garden, would hurt and pain be a part of our experience? So I want to say something three ways about this. Pain and hurt have come as a result of our sinfulness. And that's why what Yolanda was saying... Well, whether it's good or bad, it still hurts. It's still painful because it is a part of the curse of sin. But God is a God who takes what sin is broken and seeks to redeem it and turn the curse into a blessing. So hurt and pain has the potential in the life, particularly of a believer, someone who's trusting in God, to see what could only be devastating turned into what could become a blessing and help for others. And the difference lies in how we respond to it. If we trust God and allow God to do the work He wants to in our life, hurt and pain 
can be the very thing that gets us to the place God wants us to be. And it can be a wonderful blessing in the end as God uses those experiences not only to shape and form our hearts, maybe to break it in the first place and then shape and form it after that, but also to use us in the lives of others. So it can be great in that way. But if we don't respond to hurt and pain in a way that honors God and Christ, it has the same devastating, destructive force at work in it that it has as a part of the curse. And uh, I've seen many, many people, because of hurt feelings or things that have happened and have offended them, to allow that offense and that hurt to just devastate their life and cut them off from God. There's a couple of points I want to make, uh, I think there's three or four of them here, about hurt and pain. First one is that it is unavoidable. It's a consequence of sin and it's in the world, it's all around you, and just like was sung in that song, not only are you going to be a recipient of pain and hurt, guess what? You're also going to be the cause of pain and hurt in other people's lives. And as as hard as we try, it is almost unavoidable that at times, because of our sinfulness and our imperfections, we will not only be hurt, we will hurt other people. And if that's true, we need to learn how to deal with hurt and pain, don't we? It's something, not only do we experience... um, occasionally, but we experience it a lot. And as you grow older, you're probably going to get more of it. And uh, so we better learn how to deal with hurt and pain. Secondly, it does serve a purpose in our life. It, uh, as someone said, pain helps us recognize that there's a problem, that something's wrong. Physical pain tells us there's something wrong with our body. Emotional pain tells us there's something wrong with what's going on in life. Either someone's treating us or dealing with us in a way that's wrong and that hurts, or um, we're doing it and we're experiencing the pain getting reflect back to us, but pain communicates to us that there's something going on in life that's destructive. Sometimes we can do something about it and sometimes we can't. There are one, did you want to say something, Becky? Yeah. I found out with my hurt and my pain, I Yes. And, and I think that's an important thing, that God is wanting us to see that um, in relationship to Him and loving God and responding to Him, finding a way to live life and respond that transcends our pain, that doesn't let it limit us. But we see there's another way to live, another way to... She's talking about finding other ways to do things and to get by, not let your pain stop you, not let... Your, your pain or limitations keep you from enjoying a day at Turkey Run, right? Yes, grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, and, and that ties into the next one. Next point up there which is that pain is a tool that God uses to shape us. It's a thing that He uses to help us grow. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, has once made the statement that pain and suffering is God's megaphone from heaven. It's what He uses to get our attention and to shape our, t- our character. I, I've mentioned to you before, when I was a young man, uh, an older man in, in church uh, pulled me aside and he saw that Maybe God was putting a call on my life. And he said to me, 
I want you to understand something about this as you want to serve God in your life is that God doesn't use anyone greatly until he hurts them deeply. And uh, that you've got to be ready for the pain and the hurt that comes along. Love and pain go together. If you don't care, you don't hurt as much. But if you care and if you love and you invest your life and yourself in, in, in other people, you're going to experience greater hurt and greater pain. The more love, the more hurt and pain there will be. But out of, like you are saying, out of that hurt and pain can come things that are very wonderful, very valuable. So that's the last one here. As we follow Christ, we can experience healing of past hurts, but we can also expect future pain. And sometimes the more faithfully we follow Christ, it doesn't help us escape the pains of life, but it draws us even deeper into them. It's what it did to Christ when he was on earth. Because of his love for us, he suffered more than if he did not care and did not get involved. But the real question comes in, how do we respond to hurt and pain in our life? If it's an inevitable and unavoidable, you're going to experience hurt and pain in life. If it is, does have a productive purpose in it, help us to recognize what's going on around us that's destructive, and that God can use it as a tool in our life, how do we respond to hurtful and painful things in our life? Some would say, well, you say, ouch, because <laughs> hurt and pain hurts. But how do we respond? There's a lot of different responses people have to hurt and pain. Some of them not very good. Some of them better. One of the ways that uh, I think is probably our knee-jerk first instinct to react to pain is when somebody or something hurts us, what do we want to do? We want to hurt back. So the first one is to hurt back in retaliation to seek vengeance, to get justification. Yo, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to let you know how much what you did to me hurt me and impacted me. And the first thing is to get angry and want to seek vengeance. What does God say about that? He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Does that say, do not pay the well-meaning innocent ones? How about the ones that really meant to hurt you? What about the people that are really nasty and mean and bad people? Can't you hurt bad people back? Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the first response of retaliation uh, is almost never a good response. Yes. Yeah, it's covered up there, isn't it? Romans twelve seventeen through 21. Romans twelve seventeen through 21. And, th- and I think this is the hardest thing for us as humans to resist is the urge when we are hurt to want to see those who've hurt us suffer or hurt back. I don't know, God was gracious with me in that. It's not been something that I've really struggled with a lot. Even as a little boy, even as seeing some really 
cruel things be done to me, something about my response relationship to Christ was I never wanted to hurt him back. And I, I could see the power of what God was asking us to do when he said, love those who hurt you. Pray for those who are your enemies. It's a powerful response. We're going to look at that response in a minute. Another thing that people will do is to run away from or seek to avoid the hurt or the pain. And find uh, some way to um, escape it. So if, if you go somewhere, if you're around certain people and you find it painful, if you go to a family reunion and it's painful, you find ways not to go back there again. If you're uh, around certain folks and you don't like what they're treated, you avoid it and you don't go there, right? And that's kind of a natural thing. If you touch the hot stove and it hurts, you, try, you tend to learn not to keep doing that. It's kind of like the classic uh, Groucho Marx routine there. And he said, hey, doctor, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, well, then don't do that. And there are some times where it's an appropriate response to hurt and pain that you don't just go seeking out hurtful and painful situations. And at times, the appropriate thing is to not do that. But at other times, if we try to avoid every painful situation, every painful relationship, every source of things that could cause us grief, how would we end up? What? Yeah, say it aloud there. We would end up alone. And guess who would be dishing out all the hurt and pain to your life then? Ourselves. You can't escape it all. And so as a general rule, avoidance doesn't work very well. But there are certain situations you can't avoid. Yes, Brenda. Yes. Even when somebody says something that seems like an attack. Yes. If you can listen past your pain. That's right. You can usually find something that God is really speaking through that person, even though the person that's doing it is doing it in a very ungracious, uh, hurtful way. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then about a day later, I ended up calling her back because God was really working on me and, and trying to show me exactly what it was that she said that he really wanted me to hear. Yes. So I called her back and I told her that, you know, um, what she spoke to me was really true, that, you know, I didn't think that she really necessarily spoke it necessarily in the most uh, gracious Uh, Brenda, that's a very important point. I'm going to take a moment to, to respond to that because um, sometimes, and this, sometimes what people do, yes, they do things that are hurtful and painful to us just because of you know, maybe they're mean-spirited in what they did. But often our hurt and pain, our, our reaction of hurt and pain is our hurt and pain. It's our response to it. And that's the question you have to ask when you say, God, why does this hurt the way it does? Because uh, one of the things God does is you grow in your trust and relationship to Him. Things that might have devastated you before could be said to you at another point in time. And if your identity is fully in Christ and you've received fully His forgiveness and love and you're standing in a place, it no longer hurts. 
You can see it in a different way. And just the fact that you have a hurtful, painful response to what they're saying or doing to you, you have to say, God, what is it in me that's reacting so painfully to this? And uh, they can be touching on a, a previous unhealed hurt, and because that reminds you of that, or a vulnerability in yourself. And I think you said it beautifully, Brenda, that God is wanting to say something to you about yourself in the pain that you're feeling that was inflicted by somebody else. That doesn't justify what they said or did. But the lesson is to be learned in what is God teaching me about myself through the pain I'm experiencing. So thank you for, for raising that. Uh, other ways to respond is to try to numb the pain and denial. Some people use drugs and alcohol and other things to try to escape or pain or numb the pain that they feel in life. Other people respond by holding on to it, dwelling on it, getting on their pity, having a pity party and, and dwelling and, oh, woe is me and how awful all this stuff is that's happened to me and how much pain and, and that kind of dwelling on it it, it, it becomes bitterness. You've been around someone like that? You can't talk to them about anything without bitterness coming out of their heart because they've allowed their hurts and their pains just to fester like a, like a blister or a boil on their soul and it just d- eats them up. Other people find methods just to put up with it and tolerate pain and you just raise your pain threshold. If you keep sticking yourself with a pen enough, you learn that it doesn't hurt that much anymore. And some people just get deadened to stay and stop, stop feeling and stop reacting to it. I don't think that's what God is calling us to do either. We do need to be tolerant uh, of other people and believers, but God isn't wanting us just to no longer feel the pain or the hurt. Some uh, will receive and accept their pain as that's what I am to deal with and, and deal with in life, and there's an acceptance of it. And even beyond that, there's getting over pain and extending forgiveness to those who inflict pain on you. Now, I think that's where Christ is wanting us to get to the point. He wants us to do that thing where we accept pain as a tool and say, Lord, what are you learning? What are you trying to teach me in my life about it? And to extend forgiveness to those who've implemented, who've, who've brought pain into our lives. And I want to tell you that is an extraordinary act to be able to truly forgive those who hurt us and to accept what God brings in our life and to learn a lesson from it. Very few people do that well. It is a tough and challenging thing. There's something within us that still wants to say, okay, but, I understand that, but, that's not fair, or, but, I can't stand it, or, but, I can forgive them when they change, or when they own up to what they did, or if they'll just acknowledge it, then I'll forgive them. But God is calling us very strongly to say, you're responsible for your response, not theirs. Now, a part of your response to pain can be to let those who are hurting you know that what they're doing is hurtful and wrong. Okay? You have to be careful, though. In the process of doing that, you don't do that as a way to inflict pain back on them. Some take that Romans verse and say, yeah, I'll heap some burning coals on their head. Jesus isn't saying, you know, some people actually believe that that was doing them a favor, that it was giving them coals for their fire to take home with them. It was helping them out. I I think Jesus is being facetious in the sense that as you treat someone kindly, it comes back. You say, you let the Lord deal with it. He'll deal with it. 
on them. I, I think that's probably the more accurate translation. But isn't it about you going and finding your bucket and dumping coals on their head? It's by you treating them kindly, more better than they res- deserve, returning evil with good, that God in the process of saying, it's mine, I'll take care of that problem, as the Lord takes care of it, they will experience that reality. Now, forgiving those who hurt you is tough, and we're going to talk a lot more about forgiveness next week. But let me just read a couple verses and say a little bit about this extraordinary act of being able to forgive those who hurt you. I think it's a powerful thing that can transform uh, relationships and the world around us if we learn to respond like Christ to our hurts and situations rather than the way the world does. Uh, there's a, a song, the Eagles wrote a song. Um, I don't know if you ever uh, heard it before. What, well, Lynn's going, <laughs> Careful, I'm not going to read all the lyrics, okay? <laughs> it, it, they get pretty crass in the song. But the concept they're saying is get over it. And he says, in this song, he says, um, I turn on the tube and what do I see? A whole lot of people crying, don't blame me. They point their crooked little fingers at everybody else, spend all their time feeling sorry for themselves. A victim of this, a victim of that. My mom is too thin and my daddy's too fat. Get over it. Get over it. All this whining and crying and throwing a fit. Get over it. Get over it. You say you haven't been the same since you had your little crash, but you might feel better if you could get a little cash. The more I think about it, old Billy was right. Let's kill all the lawyers and kill them tonight. You don't want to work. You, don't, you want to live like a king, but the big bad world doesn't owe you a thing. Get over it. Get over it. You don't want to play, then you might as well split. Get over it. Get over it. And he goes on and on, you know, about how so much of the way of the world is to complain and to uh, point your fingers at all the sources of hurt and pain in the life, and it's always somebody else's fault. When you get beyond that kind of response to a response that says, how can I accept the hurt and pain that's come into my life, learn lessons from it, and forgive those who are inflicting hurt and pain on me? That is tough. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says to the people, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than any others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if you want to live as sons of your heavenly Father, you need to learn to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The next chapter over, Jesus says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I think deep in our hearts we say there's certain things we can forgive and certain things that are just unforgivable. And sometimes as Christians, our response is to say what we will do is we will withhold being mean to that person, but we also withhold love from that person, right? It's a whole other level when you go to the extent that Jesus says, not only do you just kind of avoid them and not try and pay back the hurt that they've dished out, 
But think about how much harder it is to go that next step, not only to not repay, but to love them. To return good for evil. That is tough. I know many of you know the story of Corrie ten Boom. And she was a uh, taken prisoner uh, during the Holocaust um, and participated, her family, which was Dutch, participated in, in hiding and helping Jews escape from uh, Nazi Germany. And their family got caught and arrested and imprisoned. And um, she and her sister were moved from one prison camp to another. Her sister got ill. She was amazed at the faith of her sister. Her sister showed a universal love for everyone in the prison camp. And at first, that was tough for Corey. She couldn't understand it. She was frustrated by that. She said her sister not only loved all the prisoners, but amazingly to her, her sister even had love for the Nazis who were torturing and imprisoning them. Instead of feeling anger toward the Nazis, she said that her sister pitied the Germans and felt sorrowful that they were so blinded by their hatred and that she yearned to show them the love of Christ and to see them be redeemed. Corey writes in her book how she could not see that when she was there. I mean, she tried to trust Christ and be faithful and she could go all the way except for how could you extend that grace to those who were your tormentors. But later in life, as she was going around preaching about Christ she ran across one of the guards that had so tortured them when they were in prison. And she had an internal, immediate internal battle in her heart. And she says, even as angry, vengeful thoughts boiled up within me, and I could see the sinfulness of those thoughts, I could also see that Jesus Christ had died for this man just as much as he had died for me. Was I going to ask that he be more gracious to me than to him? And so, Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive this man, Jesus. I cannot forgive him. Please give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on Christ's forgiveness. When he tells us to love our enemies, it's not because, it's because he has already forgiven and loved them. He gives, along with his command, the love itself that is needed to carry it out. I want you to think about, and we're, we're probably going to revisit this next week, so you can take a little time on that. Who, who's the source of the greatest hurt and pain in your life? And how have you dealt with that? As long as that hurt and pain is there, that that hurt and pain controls you. We're going to talk about that when we talk about forgiveness. And every time something comes up, that same anger is going to well up in your soul and in your heart. And until you can forgive them, you will never be free of the hurt and pain they inflicted on you. It's like they get to inflict it every time you think about them. And they don't even know. (laughs) It's not hurting them, it's hurting you. And what Christ calls us to do, it's an act of love and grace towards those who have inflicted on us, but it's really about setting our hearts free from the bondage that comes from the pain and hurt that's inflicted by others. 
Will you set them free? We'll talk about that forgiveness a little later. Next week. I'm going to wrap up this morning with four questions and a, and a little bit of Scripture. Is God trying to get your attention through hurt and pain in your life today? Is He trying to show you something or teach you something? And I found that to be true in my life that when I'm hurting, there's usually something that's not functioning right in my life. And I need to ask God, you know, what am I doing that's amplifying the hurt and pain in my heart, in my life? But we have to be careful. Who's, who's the greatest example of pain and suffering that everybody always refers to in the Bible? Job. Job suffered more than anybody, you know. He, he's the, the epitome of one who had to suffer hurt and pain in his life. And his well-intended friends gathered around him. And at first they did really a good thing. What did they do at first? Do you remember what the first thing his friends did was? Anyone remember? What? Some, yes. They sat with him in silence. That was the best thing his friends did for him. And then they thought they would try to be helpful. And so they say, they, they came up and said, after they sat for a while, they said, oh, poor Job, we'll be your friend. Then they said, Job, what did you do to tick God off so much at you? You must have done something. Think. We'll try and help you figure out what you did that's made God so angry with you. And they started to rehearse all the things that maybe he could have done with them. And they went on and on. So much so that by the end of the book, God comes to Job's friends and he says, Oh, shut your mouths! I'm tired of you guys speaking words without wisdom and tormenting my beloved servant Job. It's not because of anything he's done that these things have come into his life. And so while sometimes we need to ask the question, is there something that God is trying to show us or get our attention about, sometimes the hurt and pain that's come into our life has nothing to do with anything we've done. Sometimes it's just because we live in a sinful, fallen world. Sometimes the more bold you get in your relationship with Christ and as a witness for Him, you will experience suffering and pain just because you identify with Christ. It's because of Christ, not because of you. And sometimes, as in Job's case, God just allowed Satan to throw a bunch of mess into his life to see how his faith would respond. And he responded by trusting God. Now his wife got frustrated. She said, Job, enough is enough. Just curse God and die. Be done with all this. But Job refused. And by the end of the book, you, I, I love the way God, what God does at the end of the book. I mean, it, it can seem kind of harsh, but it's actually quite wonderful and freeing. And what God does to Job is he says, you remember the words he says to him? God pulls him aside and he says, Job, brace yourself like a man because I got some things to tell you. Enough of this words without wisdom. And what God does is he interrogates Job and he says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there? Did you help make this world? Where were you at when you were born? Did you bring yourself to life? Did you do that? No. Where were you when the stars were flung into the heavens and I named them name one by one by name? And when I created the Leviathans in the deep and I made the mighty oceans and the mighty mountains rise? Do you hear me, Job? 
God says, were you there? Did you do that? If I want to allow you to suffer these things, are you in charge or me? And Job, he said he repented. He hadn't done anything wrong except his friends got to him and began to doubt God's goodness and God's love and his authority over his life. And when he accepted God's authority, and when he accepted that God is the creator, not him, God is in charge, God is the Lord, not him, a wonderful thing happened. Once Job turned that corner in his life, God opened up the floodgates of blessing back into his life again. And in the second half of Job's life, he received more wealth. He received family back. He received everything back that God had taken from him. Even to the point he had daughters. I kind of identify with this. He had daughters. And it says in the Bible, you can look it up at the end of Job if you don't believe me, that Job's daughters were the most beautiful women in the world. Not only did he give Job a new child, But he gave him the most beautiful daughters in the world. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you think he knew? No. I don't think he knew. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And why do you think God kind of got angry with that answer with Job? What about Job allowed God to give him that answer? Of course, Job is an example for us to learn from too, but... Yeah, but how did that... Why why was he able to say that to Job where he might not have said it to Job's wife, for instance? Why did... Why did... Yeah, why did Job get tempted in this way in the first place? Because he had a tremendous trust in God. But, you know, let let me tell you something about the way God will work in your life. Oh, I don't know if I should tell you this or not. I'll tell you it because it's true. The more you grow... The more you learn to trust God, the more God will test that faith in you. And you will experience some harder things because of greater faith in your life. Okay, now I'm not wanting to scare you away from being more faithful. Because then out of that, see, here's the wonderful thing that happens out of that. What happened with God and Job by the end of the story? God is delighted in his servant Job. Job, you withstood the test. And he poured out love and blessing into his life. And in eternity, what's Job saying? Man, I wish I had cursed God and died. No, he's saying, I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I remained faithful to him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's exactly a, a, a quote, but it's a principle. Yes. That's right. That's right. Our eternity. All right. You're right. You're right. And you know, this is a, this is a, 
An important lesson for us to try to figure out and learn because as humans we have a hard time dealing with it because hurt and pain still, like Yolanda says, still is painful and hurts and we have a hard time dealing with it graciously and we have a hard time believing that suffering in and of itself, if it's done in obedience to God and trust in Him, gains for us eternal reward that we may not see or understand in this life. I don't think Job knew why what was happening to him was going on. God didn't want him to know. Not at that point anyway. He wanted him to realize that I want you to be faithful to me no matter what. Yes, Brenda. Don't you think, though, that God knows it better than we know ourselves? Oh, he does. Yes, he does. You know, and then the Bible talks about how he's mindful of our frame. That's right. That's right. 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 Amen. And that's a good, a good term to use that God is a teacher when he deals life out to us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're to learn from it and we're learn to be like him in our response to it. So let's get to our questions. We've run out of time this morning. It's a good discussion though, isn't it? These are... are you know, when we start talking about these things, it's not only about how we deal with hurt and, and uh, pain, but you actually start to, if you really grapple with this, start to begin to understand how God works and why He did what He did for us through Christ, which is where we're headed on this. A couple more questions for you to think about. Second one, are there lies that are tied to your hurts? Okay. Boy, I wish I had time. I don't have time to talk about this one a whole lot. I'll just state it and move on. But... What happens many times when we are hurt deeply or have a lot of pain, we are receptive to Satan's lies to come in at that time. And Satan often attaches a lie to our pain, just like he was trying to attach with Job. He was trying to attach the lie that the only reason that you're suffering is because you've done something wrong and God's mad at you. God was not mad at Job. God was proud of Job. And God was confident in Job. God was working in and through him. Wasn't that devil's lies? And um, there are a lot of things, just like with my dad, when we talk about his thing, and a lot of children have this lie associated that it's their fault. It's because of you that these bad things have happened. And uh, there's all kinds of lies. We could go on and on with that. But are there lies attached to your hurts? Thirdly, have you forgiven those who have hurt you? And that is no quick and easy thing. And fourthly, have you accepted God's healing of your hurts, His forgiveness, His desire to draw near and help you? Psalm 34, worship team, you can go ahead and get set. Psalm 34, 17 through 19. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. I want to, let's read this together out loud. Psalm 34, 17 through 19. The righteous cry out, And the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Amen. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he is tender towards us. He understands that we are but dust. He knows that. Okay, there you're getting somewhere. There is a gift that comes out of our pain and suffering. One of the gifts are that we can begin to understand His heart of love for us. That His heart for, of love for us caused Him... He did not have to endure suffering and pain. I mean, He's God. He could do what He wanted to. You've got to think about this. Now, listen, folks. God created a scenario where He would suffer for us. Why would he do that? Why would God create a scenario, create a situation in which he would suffer for us? So we could learn to suffer for him. All right, so we could learn to suffer him, but why, what's the value in suffering for him? What is suffering? Why do that? I think that's, we can learn to grow to be more, more like him. All right. Spirit and Growth is a good byproduct. But I think he had something even greater than growth in mind. What did he want to demonstrate for us? If I use that word, what does Scripture say that God wanted to demonstrate to us? All right. But God demonstrated his love for us in what? In that while we were yet sinners, that means hurting hurtful people, right? Little buggers that go around hurting folks, okay? While we're still like that, God demonstrated his love in that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might know how much he loves us. No greater love has any man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. Very rarely would anyone lay down his life for a friend. But God laid down his life for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a demonstration of his love. And, and you'll never know the depth. Love is never so tested as it is when you're hurting and in pain. It's hard to be gracious and loving when you're hurting and in pain. Amen? But out of that, if you can, if you can follow in obedience, if you can do what Christ calls you to do, there's a wonderful reward and a richness of life that comes and an ability to get outside yourself and see life and see people through God's eyes. Like that's what happened for Corey Ten Boom when she met the guard. At first, I want to hurt back because it hurt me so deeply. But yet, because Christ forgave, and I'm no different than he is, I'll forgive because Christ forgave me. And in that, she was able to rise above that and be a testimony to the love and grace of God in our lives. As we... Uh, partake of the Lord's Supper today. I want us to think about how much He was willing to suffer, how much hurt and pain we've inflicted on God. How many times have you disappointed Him? How many times have you not lived up to the commitments you've made? Anybody? You ever made God some promises and not fall through? You ever, ever had times where you had an opportunity, you could have been a witness to Him, and instead you just